Hi, and welcome to the Northridge Vineyard Evening Community Podcast. We're a church community in Sydney, Australia, who are passionate about pursuing God together and seeing the world changed by His love. We hope this message challenges and inspires you. For more talks and other resources, please visit our website, www.northridge.org.au. Guys, it's really great to be with you this evening. Uh, it's sad that we can't meet together in person. I was really looking forward to uh, for us to be together. I so love uh, speaking to the evening community and uh, just getting to know you guys over the last little while has been a real delight for Bonnie and I. Um, thank you to Chris and Jen for inviting me to speak this evening on uh, this is our last in a four-week series Um, that we've been looking at and uh, tonight we're going to be looking at this whole idea of how do you share this gospel message this kingdom gospel message and uh, you know I wonder whether you have ever had a, a situation where somebody has asked you to explain to them what is it that you believe when I was about 16 years old, I was at school and most people knew I was a Christian. I guess I kind of just looked a bit like a Christian or maybe some people heard that I was someone who was a bit weird and followed Jesus. Anyway, whatever the reason was, one of my, uh, one of, one of my friends from school, a girl that I didn't know very well, came up to me and said, I hear you're a Christian. How do I become a Christian? And it was a bit like... Like this treasure just sort of fell into my hands and I had really no idea what to do with it. I knew it was fantastic, but I didn't really know what to do. And so I quickly rang my dad and I said, what, what on earth do I say? And, uh, and he gave me some fantastic advice and I eventually um, sat with this girl and we, we prayed and she invited Jesus into her life. And that was really exciting But it really made me uh, aware that actually I felt like there had to be an answer to that question. What do you do and how do you become a Christian? Um, I wonder what you would say if somebody came up to you and said, can you tell me what you believe as a Christian? Like, where do you start? Um, do Do you kind of start with, God made the world? Do you start with, well, there's this guy called Jesus. Do you start with, what do you do when you go to church on a Sunday? Like, where do you begin? So we're going to look a little bit at that in a moment. But what I want to do is I want to kick off um, by looking at something that maybe you would have heard. And if you haven't, uh, it's certainly something quite common amongst evangelical churches, Protestant churches, uh, as we as we talk about this idea of what is this message, what is the real message that Christians have to bring to the world, and it's called the Romans Road. And the idea of it is that using some key verses in the Book of Romans, you can explain to somebody just what that gospel message is. And we're going to watch a video now. In a minute, I'd like uh, we're going to watch this video, and I really love to encourage you uh, to engage with it seriously. I, I don't want I'm not meaning to mock it in any way, um, but I, I'd love you to watch it and have a think about: Is this the gospel? Is this the good news as you understand it? And if not, why not? 
um, and, uh, and then we're going to come back and look at it. So let's watch this video now. Two people in this world die every second of every minute of every hour of every day of every week of every month of every year. Therefore, in the average human lifespan, 4 billion people will die. Since only 13% of the world's population are considered evangelical Christians, over 3.5 billion people will die in your lifetime without knowing where they will spend eternity. Death is inescapable. It is inevitable. It is a commonality that all life shares. We will all die. We are dying. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. And Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we know that we will all die because we have all sinned. There is no exception. Romans 3.10 says, None is righteous, no, not one. And Romans 5.12 goes on to say, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. Sin, and through it death, is a reality that everyone must face. But, Romans 6.23 does not leave us condemned to death. It continues to tell us that although the wages of sin is death, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. According to this, we can escape death, but not physically. No, our bodies will inevitably die, but we can be given spiritual life for eternity. How has Jesus given us this eternal life? Romans 5.8 tells us that God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's right. The creator of the universe loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you so you can spiritually escape death and live with him forever. So how do you receive this gift? Romans 10, 9-10 tells us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and by the mouth one confesses and is saved. All you have to do to receive eternal life is confess your sins and believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead. But how do you know that you've really been saved? Romans 10.13 tells us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All you have to do is ask. So where do you go from here? Romans 10.17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now that you have received this gift of eternal life, continue to have faith in God who has saved you. Listen to his word and mold your life around him. Live your life in such a way that glorifies God and prepare your heart for heaven. Don't die without knowing where you will spend eternity. Choose Christ. I wonder what you think of that and how that sits with you. Because all of those things are true, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that's the gospel. In this series, we've been uh, trying to stir up your thinking and kind of review 
what we've assumed about what the gospel message is. All right, so let's go back and look at Jesus as we see him in the gospels. And what I want you to do is open up to Luke chapter four. And I want you to have a look at the whole of chapter four. I'm gonna bring it up here. Because actually, we're not only just going to look at the words, I want you to look a little bit at the structure of that chapter. It's such a fantastic uh, chapter to look at. Now, that's not the Bible, that's Spotify. So here we are. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. So right there, that's Jesus's elevator pitch, if you like. That's Jesus trying to bring the whole meaning of his ministry in a nutshell. And we're told he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant and sat down and everyone was looking at him. And he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So what's going on? One of the fascinating things about this, uh, this reading in the synagogue is that it's sandwiched in between a whole bunch of activity, a whole bunch of Jesus's ministry. Just before this, we, we, you may remember, I just mentioned it before, Jesus goes into the desert and he faces the devil. Just like Adam and Eve faced temptation from the devil in the garden he goes to the desert and he faces in temptation but instead just instead of doing what Adam and Eve did this time he defeats the devil he defeats him by resisting the temptation he says no and does what God has asked him to do he's obedient so that happens just before these words Jesus overcomes sin and the devil and then immediately after this we see Jesus stepping into his ministry and doing two fantastic miracles one he drives out an evil spirit from a man and the second one he heals many and so but what we see again is Jesus overcoming the devil and sin and sickness I think that's really fascinating. So right in the middle, we have these words from Jesus. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. And then to close it all up, if you look at the end of the chapter, you'll see Luke writes these words of Jesus. He says, uh, this is at verse, um, where are we? At verse 43, Jesus says this. I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. Because that is why I was sent. So what's this kingdom of God? I'm sure you're very familiar with it now. But it's certainly quite different, isn't it? This gospel message that we seem to be uh, see Jesus bringing, speaking about, demonstrating. It seems a bit different to say that kind of Roman road that we heard about earlier on. And, you know, sometimes that can be really difficult for us to reconcile. 
Let me put it to you like this. Hands up if you struggle to see how the things that Jesus did and said, which we just read were about the kingdom, uh, connect with his death on the cross. What about this question? Hands up if you struggle to see how the cross of Christ, which we know was about our sin, connects with the kingdom of God. You see, if we don't reconcile Jesus of the Gospels that we read when we open up Luke or Mark or Matthew with our understanding of how we get saved, then what we'll end up sharing with people is not actually Jesus as he chose to reveal himself, but instead some other version of that story, which may be so laden up with baggage that we make it impossible for people to meet the real, beautiful, powerful Jesus. And that would be a real shame, wouldn't it? So we want to make sure that our understanding of what the message is, is not only uh, like well understood and fresh in our minds, but it also connects, it integrates and it explains all the things that Jesus did, not necessarily in detail, but so that there isn't big contradictions or things that we don't really understand how they fit. All right, so two things as, as we come into land. One of them is, let's just then clear up what it is we believe and how these two things fit together. Because like we say, neither of them is wrong. All of the stuff that we've looked at tonight, it's in the Bible. But how does it connect? And what is the message that we actually want to bring? Well, in the vineyard, we find that this picture or story of the kingdom of God that we see coming through the Bible is a really, really helpful framework or paradigm because it actually helps us hold all those things together. Um, and it doesn't leave things going, oh, I wonder how that fits in. So in that kind of story, the way that we talk about Jesus's uh, coming and the message of the gospel is this. Jesus, the Messiah King, that's what the Christ means, okay, came to establish God's vision for Israel. God had a vision for Israel. And what was that? That was about a profound, profoundly good and beautiful future of righteousness and justice being established on the earth. That's what he wanted Israel to do. But Jesus came to do it for them because they didn't manage to do it. They weren't able to fulfill God's vision for, uh, for his kingdom to be established. And they, were, they actually, God judged them. But Jesus came and he fulfilled that vision. And, that's, uh, and, and that vision is not only for a beautiful kingdom, it's actually a kingdom that will ultimately save the whole world. Um, and uh, I know Greg was talking last week about, well, what does it mean for God to save the world? Does it just mean that he's going to chuck it away or is there more going on than that? So that vision, that's what we call God's kingdom. Now, Jesus arrives on the scene and he kicks off this uh, restoring, uh, amazing kingdom by deliberately and decisively defeating 
the devil by conquering death and sin and, uh, and, and delivering God's people, us, from that sin. So he does some really powerful things right off the mark. And that's about establishing that kingdom or inaugurating it. Okay, so there's a kingdom and Jesus comes to establish it. Now, this restoring, liberating, kind of breaking in of God's kingdom, when we get to Romans, this is what Paul means when he says, uh, he uses this funny phrase, the righteousness of God revealed. Now, what he means is there is that God's beautiful future, his kingdom, his righteousness is being revealed through the coming of Christ. So the righteousness of God isn't something different to the ministry and the work of Jesus. In fact, it is exactly that thing. It is God's kingdom revealed in Christ. And that's really helpful to understand because what it does is it means that we can connect these two ideas, okay? You see, it's the righteousness of Christ that means that he could do what we weren't able to do, and that was to take and to pay and bear the punishment of sin on the cross. And it was the righteousness of Christ in uh, righteousness of God in Christ that gives Jesus the authority to drive out and cast out demons and to heal sickness. And amazingly, now he has given us that authority too. So you see, it's this same righteousness, kingdom breaking in together in Christ. That, that means that he can not only die on that cross so that, so that we can be forgiven for our sin, It's also that same righteousness, kingdom of God in Christ that gives him the authority and now us the authority to drive out demons, to heal the sick and to proclaim that God's kingdom has come. All of these things, they come from that same place of God's kingdom being established in our world. Okay, and then the second thing, how do we share that? You can see, can't you, that this message that we have of the kingdom, it's, it's not easy to put into an elevator pitch. And actually, often when we try that, we get ourselves in trouble. And we don't give people the best chance of starting this new life in Christ. Because often we miss some really important things. People might understand that they're forgiven of their sin, but they might not be aware of actually this new life in Christ and what that means. And so we want to give people the best chance to do that. But sometimes that actually means going slower. I want to um, tell you about um, a young guy who came along to church a couple of years ago and he, uh, I knew that he wasn't a Christian. And at the end of the morning service, he came up for some prayer and I thought, oh, that's fantastic. He's coming up for some prayer. That's wonderful. And I went up to him and I said, Um, what can I pray for you for? And he was like, I just want some prayer. I don't really know what or why. I just want some prayer. And so I thought to myself, well, uh, do I need to like introduce him to Jesus? Uh, Explain to him like how he can become a Christian? 
uh, it didn't, you know, I was kind of thinking, what's the right thing to do here? And I just really felt like Jesus wanted to just come and meet him. Just like people who met Jesus on the road or saw what Jesus was doing, they got a chance to come and just meet Jesus. And so I'm, I said to him, mate, I just, I'm going to pray for you, but I just feel like Jesus wants to just come and shake your hand and say, G'day, how are you going? And so we prayed and I invited Jesus just to come and to touch his heart and to introduce himself to him. And that was the beginning of his relationship with Jesus. You see, because relationships start with introductions, don't they? And actually, as Christians, that's what we're called to do is, is to make the introductions and then let Jesus build the relationship. You know, it reminds me as well of one of my favorite stories from the New Testament, and that is of little Zacchaeus. Now, I'm not small like Zacchaeus, but I still relate to him because he was so desperate to meet Jesus. So he hangs out by the side of the road. He climbs a sycamore tree just so he can see Jesus. And Jesus remarkably just stops in the middle of the road and he says, you, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm coming to your house today for tea I don't know if they drank tea but he's coming to his house Zacchaeus is probably overwhelmed racked with embarrassment this is a holy man and I'm a tax collector why would he want to come to my house but he brings him anyway and we see this beautiful scene of the power of Jesus's love and grace and righteousness transforming Zacchaeus's life. We read about how Zacchaeus wants to pay back anyone that he's wronged four times over. And Jesus says, today, the kingdom, God's power, salvation has come into this house. And that, and that is what we are wanting to invite people into. That is a transforming grace, a transforming kingdom a transforming righteousness that can transform their lives. So let me, as I finish, let me just encourage you that when you are coming to share with people what it is that you believe, I would encourage you, one, introduce them to Jesus. And you can do that in so many different ways. They might, that You may get a chance to pray with somebody, you may get a chance to pray for healing with someone and then you might be able to just tell them about this person called Jesus who can heal or who perhaps already has. Or you might get a chance just to tell them what Jesus has done for you in your life. And again, you're just introducing them to Jesus. And then sometimes you get a chance to pray with somebody and you know what? Like we said before, some of those things that we saw on that Roman road, they're really helpful to remember that actually when we want to give our lives to Jesus, we do need to turn away from the things that we have done wrong. Uh, the, the way I often talk about it is who's in the driving seat of your life? Are you still driving that car or have you moved over into the passenger seat? And if not, now is the time to invite Jesus to come and to drive, to take the steering wheel and for you to move into the passenger seat. 
Because that's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to control us, but he wants us to let go of trying to control everything in our own lives and to trust him with the big things, um, the big questions of our life, and ultimately what our lives are for and, and where we're going. So guys, as I finish up, I want to just thank you for uh, listening and for thinking this through. Uh, our heart, My heart so much is that we would be people who know not only um, how good Jesus is, but just how much the world around us needs to hear about him. And I, would, I want to pray for us tonight that we would be filled with the boldness of the Holy Spirit to actually speak when we're invited to and to not shy away, to not shrink back, but to be bold with the things that we believe and to be gracious and uh, thoughtful about the things that we say when people ask us. Is that all right? Why don't we pray together? And then, uh, and then I'm going to hand back to Chris and Jen, I think. So, Lord, wherever we are now, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and you would fill us. You would fill us, Lord, with power. Fill us with an understanding of your beautiful gospel. Lord, I thank you that your Holy Spirit promised to not wor- that we wouldn't worry about the things we would say, but that you would give us the words and that you'd lead us into all understanding. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for myself, Lord, as we wait on you tonight. Lord, will you enable our lips? Give us the words. Lord, we pray for powerful acts of your kingdom breaking in, whether that be healing or words of knowledge or dealing with demons and uh, evil spirits. Lord, we ask that you would empower us for that work and that it would be for your glory. Lord, we pray for boldness to fill us. And right now in this room, wherever you are, I pray that boldness would come upon you in Jesus' name, that you would be filled with that boldness to share your faith. Lord, and lastly, I ask that you would cover us with your love and compassion, that we would truly love and listen to people, and that we'd be ready when we're asked for a reason for the hope that we have. Thank you for your kingdom and for the way in which you are um, bringing all things together and saving this world. We praise you, Lord. Let's just wait a moment and allow his spirit just to rest on us. I also get a sense that God is um, doing some healing right now. So if you know that you need some healing this evening, can I invite you just to put your hand on your heart. Just put your hand on yourself, maybe on your heart like that. And just ask Jesus to come and to heal and to restore. I'm going to ask him to do that. So Lord, 
Thank you that you have given us the authority of your kingdom to come against sickness, to come against brokenness in our bodies and to declare your kingdom. So we declare your kingdom tonight. Lord, your kingdom is here. It has come. So we speak healing and wellness over our bodies. Lord, we ask that you would cure and heal every ailment, every disease. Thank you, Lord. By the mighty name of Jesus, who saves us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, guys, we'd love to hear about it from you. If you've received any kind of healing tonight, we really believe that God's power and spirit is at work. No matter where we are, no matter when you're listening to this message, um, do just drop us an email and let us know. But thanks, guys, for your time tonight. It's been great to speak to you. And we just, just bless you. Look forward to seeing you again face to face soon. See you guys.